You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. And man. Hey, it's Thursday. Of course, you probably knew that. We're uh, less than two weeks away from Christmas. Good grief. I've got to get out and get some shopping done. Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson and Noah Haynes, appreciate you folks dialing us in. You can dial us up. For the next two hours, 205-342-9904. A lot of headlines today. Uh, last night's documentary on Barstar was just splendid. Of course, the Alabama football schedule, Auburn, Florida, all the schedules were released last night. But uh, Lars, unfortunately, going to start on a sad note, and that's right after we finished our show yesterday, my phone started lighting up as uh, people were reporting that Bill Burgess, a longtime, very successful, very popular coach, but he was one of those hard-nosed guys. Bill Burgess passed away at the age of 82. He played football under Suge. He was a fullback at Auburn. He was Birmingham-born and won a national championship for Jacksonville State University back in 1992. And, of course, uh, he's the father of Rick Burgess, of Rick and Bubba fame. But... You probably never had the pleasure of being around him. Uh, He was a wonderful, delightful man, except when it came to football. And, man, he put helmet on helmet. That's the way he played. He ran the wishbone. He said he didn't didn't care if you come to scout his team. You know, come on. Watch me on defense. Watch me on offense. We're going to do the same thing. And that was his approach. And players loved him, but he was hard on them. But anyway, I got to know him very, very well over the years, and uh, it is with great sadness that we report that Bill Burgess has passed away at the age of 82. Did you ever get a chance to be around him? I know you know Rick. Uh, no, I was never around Bill. What What is your enduring memory or image of him? Uh, let's see. Probably when he was in Jacks- at Jacksonville State. And at 91 and 92, they went to the championship both years. Uh, And 92, of course, as I just mentioned, they won it all. But this guy was, uh, there was no act with him when he was on the sideline. And I remember how he would get on to players, but he would get on to players. But they also knew, and much the way Saban does, he's getting on them to make them better, to prove a point. Uh, I do know one thing, and we'll talk to Tuffy about this in a little bit. He was pretty tough on his coaches, and Tuffy will talk about that too. But I just think from an overall perspective, I don't remember one certain game or one certain play. Uh, I just remember him as a very, very tough football coach and uh, one of the last of that breed. I don't think we see them anymore. But then off the field, he was as kind and as gentle and giving as you could possibly imagine. And I think that's just the overall picture when I think of Bill Burgess. Yeah, um, a you know he was a, a giant of his time, uh, no doubt. I just uh, like I said, I, I I don't have much to comment because I I never had any interaction with him. Um, last night, as we were hanging out, Matt, the SEC schedule was released, as you mentioned, and uh, man. Alabama's schedule is no cakewalk, and we we knew that going into uh, going into last night. Um, we knew basically who it was going to be, but um, when when you examine it, it's uh, it's a 
it's a brutal schedule to be frank um open on august 31 against western kentucky uh in bryant denny then the next week september 7th south florida comes to bryant denny and we know what happened against south florida this year uh, i don't expect it to be as close as it was in tampa but then you go to wisconsin on september 14th and i have covered many many games at camp randall and that is a very very difficult place to play it is loud uh, the students are on top of you the fans are extremely passionate uh, they uh, will hold on to their tickets for dear life because this is going to be a major event in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, to have Alabama coming to town, perhaps reigning national champions, Alabama coming to town. And, uh, you know, I just that that is I know Wisconsin is a little bit down this year, but uh, I think Luke Fickle has the program moving in the right direction. And. It's just uh, going to be a really fun environment for fans, but a difficult one to play in. Um, have you ever been to Camp Randall? Have you ever oh, been to Madison, Wisconsin? That's, that's bucket list stuff. Uh, yeah. No, and been to Milwaukee and Green Bay and some other places up there, but I've always heard that it is, is, it's the best college atmosphere that you'll find in the Big Ten, and that says a lot when you got Ohio State and Michigan. But uh, yeah, what else and, is there to um, do in Michigan? Uh, I mean, I uh, mean, in, in, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, well, it, it's beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's right on the lake there, and uh, in the weather will should be nice. It'll be a nice fall day, September fourteenth. Um, I I would imagine this will probably be a night game. Um, which will even jack the crowd up even more. Um, but it, you know, it's always a big time event when Alabama goes on the road to a place that they haven't been to in a long time. And um, I don't even know if Alabama's ever played in Wisconsin. I probably should have looked that up. But um, oh I yeah, can't... they played in one of those kickoff classics just a few years ago. No, Alabama. but I mean, I mean, my bad, Wisconsin. I jumped the gun, but um, I don't believe they have. I'll look that up while you continue. But yeah, so uh, then Alabama has a bye after Wisconsin, and then boom. You got Georgia at home at night, 6.30. The kickoff time's already been announced. So that, that, that I know there's a buy in there, but that is a tough three-week stretch at Wisconsin, a buy, then Georgia. And then uh, the week after Georgia, you kind of get a little bit of a break. You go up to Vanderbilt, uh, which is typically more like a, a home game against a, a really good high school team. Uh, even when you're on the road up there. Uh, then October 12th is South Carolina. Uh, then the 19th at Tennessee. And the 26th, we got Missouri coming to uh, Brian Denny. And you I mean, look at Missouri right now. Uh, in, the, in the college football rankings, Missouri is up to nine. So, uh, and, and then I know they have a really good recruiting class. And uh, that, that is no gimme uh, whatsoever. And then uh, November 2nd is a, another bye week. And then you got at Louise, at LSU. It's gonna, that'll be a tough one. That'll, and most likely that will be at night. 
And then you have Mercer on November 16th at home. And then, Matt, at Oklahoma. At Oklahoma on November 23rd. Continue. And then, and then you close out November 30th uh, in the Iron Bowl, hosting Auburn. I mean, you go at Oklahoma to Norman, Oklahoma, and then you finish with the Iron Bowl. That is the most difficult schedule, at least, uh, you, you know, just based on these two really difficult road games at Wisconsin, at Oklahoma, and then you got Georgia at home. You got Missouri at home. You got to have a much improved Auburn at home. And oh yeah, you got to go to Tennessee. Mm. Yeah, it's brutal. But they all are. You know, when you bring <laughs> Oklahoma and Texas into this league, uh, everybody's going to have to get a piece of them, or the SEC is going to get a piece of them. And that just upped everybody's schedule. But as tough as Alabama's is, Woe on to the Florida Gators. I think uh, I think that's probably the toughest, in my opinion. Georgia's up there. You know, with the addition of the Sooners and the Longhorns, Georgia can't hide anymore. <laughs> and they're going to get it next year. It's a great topic. Tuffy Crow, who was uh, just been a longtime friend of the show, but he also... Knew Bill Burgess very, very well. Uh, we'll talk to him about that and uh, Bart Starr and many other things as you continue to listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mostly sunny afternoon, the high today 62, fair tonight with a low at 38. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 61. And for Saturday, the weather will stay dry, but clouds will increase during the day, the high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Back with Lars, Matt, and Noah. Tuffy Crows in the hold. That's baseball term. Well, turns out, Lars, Alabama has been to Madison, Wisconsin. In 1928, I covered that game. <laughs> uh-huh. But they uh, they laid the whitewashing on Alabama. They won it 15-0. And then the only other meeting I have here is uh, in Arlington, Texas, eight years ago in September. On September Were 5th, you? Alabama beat Wisconsin 35-17. to Were you sitting next to Grantland Rice in the press box? What Grantland Rice? Nobody heard of Grantland Rice back then. It was all Matt Coulter. <laughs> That's right. That was, that I was walk your... in with my hat and that little thing, the paper stuck in the side of my hat that said press. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Had your little flask of whiskey. Oh, I did that last week. Uh, no, I'm, I'm so, so kidding. Never, ever, ever while working. So, that, and that's the truth. All right, let's go to Tuffy Crow. Uh, longtime Jacksonville State assistant. He was at UAB. He was back in the day. You want to talk about somebody that's older than me, Lars? Tuffy Crow. Uh, and that's why I have him on the show. Makes that's me feel it. better. So, so you feel young. Hey, yes. I'll tell you who was sitting next to you in that press box in 1928 was Clyde Bolton. 
<laughs> you know, I saw Mike. I saw Mike at the race, and Clyde's still tooling around with his damper little hat and driving his Miata. Miata. Um, hey, he, they don't. Him and they don't make him yeah. like that. Clyde and Wayne Martin come to every home game up here at Jack State. Yep, yep. I've uh, oh, I've sat up there with them. It's it's, it's very very yeah. cool. But oh, um, I know. speaking of Jack State, just want to get your thoughts on. Bill Burgess, the coach, and Bill Burgess, the man. We're sorry to see that he passed yesterday at the age of 82. Oh, I know, boy. I, was t- I didn't really – I knew it was coming, but I didn't – people didn't really realize it would, was this soon. Uh, he was a, a unique man. He was one of those that – if we'd been around, those coaches that had that knack, have that knack of could just – they're tough as nails and could wear you out and you feel like you're nothing and 30 seconds later they got their arm around you and you feel like you're in love with them again he he was one of those he one of, I told you Matt one of my favorite Bill Burgess stories is uh, uh, some a sports writer asked him once if he if Bill thought people were ever spying on his practices he said, I don't care if they do or not. They can come stand next to me on the practice field if they want to. He said, we're going to run the wishbone on offense, and we're going to run the old split forward defense on defense, and we're not going to change, and if things stop us, they can stop us. <laughs> he did not care. He was one tough rascal. Um, and- i tell you this story. Hey, he had a knee repl- uh, total knee probably two or three months after me in 2015 Jim Skidmore who was a trainer up here for 40 years told me that Coach Burgess and, and Rick and Greg went deer hunting like three weeks after his total knee replacement <laughs> <laughs> so he was tough now one of the great what, ones what, uh, what made him so good? Was it connecting with players? Was it uh, recruiting, getting the talent there? Uh, obviously, he's in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, had a lot of success. But what uh, kind of were his hallmarks? I think he was able to connect with the players. He, he was able to connect with the media. He welcomed anybody in his office. Those players that played for him from 85 up here to 96, and before that, the Oxford players. And I go all the way back to a friend of mine, Leo Wright, Matt, old Leo that was with us with the Stallions as a strength coach, Wright, weight equipment. He coached Leo at Woodlawn, and they loved him. They still, they call themselves up here the Burgess boys. And he's tough on them now, but had that knack. Lawrence, kind of like uh, Bruce Arians. Bruce mm-hmm. had that knack that could cuss you out and you feel like you're nothing and then, you know, in 30 seconds, a minute, he got you feeling like you're the top of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah Bru- Bruce's motto is uh, coach them hard, hug them harder. And, uh, <laughs> that's it, it. it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how he sums it up. Um what uh, just how about on the field? Um, you know, he led the Gamecocks program from '85 to '96, won the Division Two national championship. 
in the 92 season. Do, do you remember anything about that 92 season? What made it so special? I think these, that group of guys, haven't talked to all those guys at UAB then, but having talked to the guys that were on that team and played for him, he was able to just make them feel like it didn't matter who they played. They were going to beat anybody that showed up. Bill had a, a saying, I don't care where we play you. We'll play you out here on I-20 if you want to, if they'll stop long enough. And uh, he made them feel like that. I, the year before, um, play, you know, back then the Division Two championship was in Florence. And then I think it was 91 the year before, a huge snowstorm yeah. hit that day, and they played and got beat by like a field goal and then came back the following year and won it. But uh, they were good. They just, what they did, they did. They ran the wishbone, and and that was it. They weren't going to get in twins. They weren't going <laughs> to get out of it. But he was able to make those players feel like they were the best players in the world. So uh, on third and nine from their own 35, they're still going uh, <laughs> to run it to the left or run it to the right? Hey, they may run it into the boundary and run the auction and pick up 45 yards. But he <laughs> he could do it now. Had a great coaching staff with him. All those guys, most of them came from uh, Oxford with him. From Oxford, yeah. And, yeah. and just did a great job of fitting into the college game and adapting to it. Be and... Just a, a larger question here. I, being from Nebraska and growing up in the 80s and 90s, really in the 80s, uh, the team we always feared the most was Oklahoma and the wishbone. So why is the wishbone sort of uh, gone the way of the dodo? Why has the wishbone disappeared essentially from the college game? You know, I, I hate to say, I think a lot of it is people want to see those games where you're scoring 60 points and throwing it every other every down and people spread all over the field but when you run the wishbone or any type of option game the the team you're playing has to spend all week at practice trying to on defense trying to make sure they have somebody on the on the dive because you run you know the quarterback's going to run run that fullback up in there he'll pull it and pitch it. So you've got to have somebody on the dive, on the quarterback, and on the pitch every play. And if you don't, it's going to be a big game for the offense. And uh, I, I think people now like to see offensive linemen want to, you know, Matt, they're going to lean back in that stance with with just a little bit of weight on their hand to pass protect now. You get in a wishbone, doggone, they would get in a four-point stance down there and just <laughs> yeah. dare, dare somebody to uh, to step up because they were going to hit them. Do you think it could so, be successful if you got players oh, to do. buy in? I think, well, I tell you what, Watson Brown always had a great theory about we always ran not necessarily out of the wishbone. When we got on short yard at the goal line, if we had – less than a, a yard or less, we would get in the wishbone and run a, a play out of it where we blocked everybody down to one side, tied in everybody down, kicked somebody out and hand the ball to a big fullback. 
But we he always wanted to run two option plays in the first half and two in the second half, just so people had to work on it all week. It takes time away from working on everything else. So it worked. We we I had a, I don't know if we you know, on the goal line if we would go for a, a yard to go on the goal line we got in that too tight wishbone. We'd hand it off and knock people out there, and then we may come back and pull it and drag the backside tight end along there and throw it to him. So there's a lot you could do out of it. Heck, look at Coach Bryant there in yeah. the seventh. Mal and those guys. <laughs> hey, Tuffy, can you hang through a break and talk a little bit more? I can do it. I've got a. I've got going my own, this yeah, I've got my own personal little opinion on why. People don't run the bone. I'm sure everybody's waiting with bated breath. You're listening to Big Dune Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the Bama broker.com. That's Laura Lee at the Bama broker.com. Sundown to the plane. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports, and our guest, many of our guests are brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. But Tuffy Crow is our guest, longtime college football coach, pro coach. He's done it all. Yeah. We got him on to talk about Bill Burgess and his passing at the age of 82. And the conversation led immediately to his toughness and then led to what he ran, loved, and, and won with. And that was the wishbone. Tuffy, see if you agree with this. And I don't know. The many bus rides we took pre- to and from stadiums, we may have talked about this before. But I always thought that a lot of teams stopped running the wishbone because the game got so much faster. The cornerbacks could fly. The edge rushers could fly and cover. And then if you had a really, really smart, quick defensive end, it wouldn't be real easy, but you could stop the wishbone. Did speed in some way stop the wishbone? I think it did, too. I think defenses, you know, the offense will come along and – and the defense for a while nobody can stop it. Finally, somebody starts making adjustments, and they'll stop it. I can remember back in the early mid seventies, the old split back beer that uh, Bill Yeoman and University of Houston ran, and they ran a little dump pass to the tight end after they had ride the fullback up in there and hit the quarterback stand up 
and hit the the uh, tight end on a little seam route. I remember coaches talk about, you can't stop that play. Well, people started walking, going to cover two and walking the safety down, and they got it. Then they went, you know, people start, like you said, Matt, people on on defense just got so much better. They, they got away from just the big old muscular guys to doggone it. Everybody on defense can run now. I watched that Alabama-Georgia game. Good night where there's some athletes running around at that game. And I think you're right. That it's hard to do. And I tell you, one thing is, I think there's so, players are so much bigger and stronger now. Your quarterback's not going to last. People, people in the option game are going. Defenses are going to make the quarterback keep the ball. And he just take. Finally, he's just going to take a beating, and it, it wasn't worth it. Got to start getting away from it. But this it's a great is great. Uh, Short yardage offense now. Doggone it, it's fun. It's so fun to watch. This is oh, this I know. This is, this is and, somewhat and, you know, of people a... say, I remember people Sorry. saying, well, they can't. It, it's hard to recruit because people, kids want to go play pro ball and they don't look at it well. Doggone it. Worked for Coach Bryant. They had four or five quarterbacks that played in the NFL from that wishbone. Had a pretty good tight end name, Ozzie Newsom. It did okay. And uh, Tony Nathan, a running back. So, uh, look at those Oklahoma. Lars was talking about Oklahoma. Yeah, look at those Oklahoma wishbone things. Very Jack quick. Mildred. Woo, good yeah. uh, Elvis Peacock. Uh, yeah. Janelle Holloway. And, and, and the th- you know who was the real killer? was Keith Jackson, the tight end. Because, oh, he, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have a good tight end in the wishbone, it, 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 it's almost unstoppable because you are going to have a guy on top of that tight end who cannot cover that tight end. Great point. No, uh, great point. yeah, that's a great, and he was, he was a, a big, strong guy. Keith Jack's a big, strong guy and could run. So, yeah, it's tough to handle those guys. Well, here, here's another college football question for you, but one of uh, a more contemporary question. Um, is there a young coach either in the SEC or across the country, a young head coach that you are particularly impressed with and you think is just going to have a really stellar, long, successful career? No, the the guy, I'm not sure. He's not real old, but uh, everybody's young to me now. But guy at Missouri has done a, to me, has done a great job out there. That's a good football team now. And, uh, but yeah, they're guy. You know, there's a handful. There's a lot of coaching changes going on now. Guy just left Troy, went to Tulane. I tell you, he's got a a bright future. Um, and uh, I, I guess to Matt, you know we we played Tulane so many times that we've been down there several times. They were not very good then, and they've got that program on the roll now. But um, I tell you another one, Rhett. Lastly, out at SMU, he's going to be yeah. he's going to be a name that's going to be uh, thrown around a lot. Yeah, I, 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 got, I got to yeah, I got to know I got to know Rhett when he was the offensive coordinator at Auburn at a very young age, and man, he was so impressive. Oh, I know it. He was he worked you know, with Pat at Sullivan at Sanford, and where I got to know him, and he's sharp. He's going to be he's going to be one of those. But, there's a lot of young coaches. 
I'll be honest, coaching's a young man's game. I don't know how Nick Saban does. He just wired <laughs> whatever the wiring is the good Lord gave him is different. <laughs> I don't think he ever checks up. I think Shane Beamer too uh, is. I think uh, Shane is, is too. Is um, great. Yeah, hey, Matt Brian Thomas that played for us at UAB. First round pick oh, yeah. with the Jets. Twelve out of years. Minor? Wasn't that where he was yeah, at a minor high school. Yeah. His son Brian Thomas Jr. is playing a defensive end, outside linebacker up there, and loves Shane Beamer. And uh, so I think he's a he's going to be a great one too. I believe he may have to. I know, boy, when you're coaching at SEC and having to play now, what is – did they stay with eight conference games? I think I watched part of that they last did. night. But, yeah. but still, oh, Lord, you're playing eight teams that just beat you up every week. Um, but Shane Beamer's a good football coach. His daddy, hey, Lawrence, his daddy's over there with Bruce and Roethlisberger and yep. Kirby. Reynolds Plantation, right. yeah. I've, Riding up I've, down that big lake, just, it's like a coach's convention. Yeah, and uh, gosh, it was one year when uh, Frank Beamer was still at Virginia Tech, and I, they, I think they opened the season against Alabama. And he was standing, I was playing golf with him, he's standing over a 70-foot putt. I was like, Coach, you feel any pressure right now? It's like pressure. Pressure is opening the damn season against Alabama, and then boom, he knocks it in from seventy feet. It was the most incredible thing. Oh, oh that's great. <laughs> and I tweeted that out, and I think it got. I earned. I got more followers from that one tweet <laughs> because oh, it was yeah. just an amazing scene. And and Shane is kind of the same same way, like. He just comes through. And I wonder if when Virginia Tech ultimately gives Shane Beamer a call, does he go home? Yeah, I, I think he think. goes back to Blacksburg. I do, too. I can Every time I hear Frank Beamer's name, I cringe because we played him three times at UAB. Had one of those deals where we played him twice up there and once in Birmingham. Here we played him in Birmingham. They had... Uh, Corey, what a big defensive end. It was a great player. Corey uh, Reber. Oh, uh, Corey. Uh, yeah. You remember? It, no, the, yeah, that wasn't Reber. That's Alabama player. But, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but something uh, like that. He was undersized, Miller, but he was really Duncan good. Duncan Miller, the quarterback. They were, they, were, they were so good on defense. They were just in special teams. They were killing everybody. We had made a change at Hunter, and bless his heart, Lee Miller, uh, I mean, uh, He's a doctor down in Otagaville now. Bless his heart, we put him in to punt. <laughs> it's bum <bump>, bum. <laughs> they blocked the very first punt the guy had. Yeah. And they pick it up and run it in right for the half. Lee Carter. Just, he's a, Lee, Lee Carter's Carter, yeah. a doctor now. And, uh, I, but he sure did. I never could understand why they were so good, those Virginia Tech teams, and then why they called it Beamer Ball. Why you can see on film, I assume, as a, as an opposing coach of what exactly what they're doing. Why doesn't everybody else do what Frank Beamer was doing? Because it's it seemed like yeah. every game they blocked a punt or a, a a point after or a field goal attempt. I swear we we looking back, of course, 
in that situation before the half, we should have gone tight punt and brought everybody in, but I'm not sure it would have helped. They had such a a uh, game plan for the on their special teams, and they said he coached Coach Bremer was the one that coached the special teams. But you're yeah. right; they had a a plan to block a punt every game, and they and they did a lot of it. Did it <laughs> I done? remember I remember talking to him, and he said we practice it more. So we're going to be better more. Does that make well, sense? That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I actually do think, I do think they spent about 33% of their time yep. on special teams. Oh, hey, oh. Tuffy, we hey, got us. Hey. We got to get out of here, man. This 30 minutes has absolutely flown by. Oh, hey, you know, we'll do it again. Hey, and uh, Merry know, Christmas to you, your family. Hey, Merry Christmas to you guys. I've got to call. I got a call while we were on the air here from our buddy Tom Banks. So I got to call Tom Banks. Tom Banks. <laughs> yeah. Boy, they talk about it all the time. Played, Good. You too. Yes. Hey, the Gamecocks play Saturday at 1 o'clock on uh, ESPN down in at, uh, New Orleans Bowl. So oh, that's right. Back. Yeah. God, we didn't even get to that. All right, Tuffy. Thanks, man. Hey, y'all have a great Christmas. Thank you, you Tuffy. Too. Do not forget, and this is uh, Elvis Presley. That's something that Tuffy and I, we went to his very first concert. It's the Jerome Jackson Tribute, and it's going to be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow night, Druid City Music Hall. Go to druidcitymusichall.com and get your tickets. You better hurry. 7 o'clock, go to the website, go see the Elvis Show for Christmas. inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Hey everybody, it's Gary Harris. Coming up on the TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show on Friday morning at 9, we'll get you ready for the weekend with that great weekend music. Also, Adam Amin from Fox Sports, your phone calls, analysis and more. That's the TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show, Friday morning at 9. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Football. Sunbelt champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mostly sunny afternoon, the high today 62, fair tonight with a low at 38. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 61. And for Saturday, the weather will stay dry, but clouds will increase during the day, the high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. This show is presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Lars, Matt, Noah, the gang is all here on this gorgeous Thursday afternoon in the state of Alabama. Here's a couple of notes because we had an early guest and we've been talking about several other subjects. Here's one I found very interesting, Lars. I don't know if it got past you or not. Just, I see the headline, it said, Rolando McLean's suspension lifted. And I'm going, what? 
He hasn't played. I think was, he may have been on a roster in 2019. But just a quick deal, McLean was his about can't-miss linebacker to come out of Alabama since Leroy Jordan. I mean, he had all the skills. But there was another side of him. He was involved in a gun and a shooting. Didn't kill or hurt anybody. He fired a gun right next to some guy and threatened him. And then he had uh, a lot of... He, he, he was suspended, uh, finally, from the league uh, for substance abuse issues. But I've never heard somebody being out that long, suspended that long for substance abuse. And, Lars, uh, I hate to just dump it on you like that, but that just struck me as very odd. And, and here's a question for you. At age 34, will somebody give him a shot? Uh, no, I, I, you know what I did a, uh, I wrote, uh, about a 5,000 word piece on Rolando McLean and in, uh, it published in December of 2014. Uh, back then he was playing with the Cowboys and, um, you know, I went down to Dallas uh, I'd already talked to a bunch of his really close friends uh, in in Tuscaloosa and in the area. I went up to Decatur and talked to uh, Jerry Adcock, his uh, high school coach, and uh, I talked to, uh, gosh, the Dallas defensive coordinator. Can't remember. Uh, was the guy it with the long white hair? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but I wrote about how much I, I led the story with how much he loved his house in Tuscaloosa on the lake and uh, or his mansion on, on Lake Tuscaloosa um, and that he really felt most at peace when he was out uh, uh, fishing uh, just uh, out on the, out on the water alone in his boat and I wrote about just how unburdened and just fully absorbed in the moment he was right and not running I wrote not running from the ghosts of the past or concerned with the future it was like uh, almost a form of therapy for him and Matt uh, I've really never talked about this publicly I was asked many many times to come on like in a CNN MSNBC NBC because it was not long after I wrote this story that uh, his house was burned down. Do you wow. remember that? Yeah. I and, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, people wanted me to come on and discuss this because I just, I had, so that, that came out, yeah, in, in December of 14. And I don't remember, there was a, there was a you know, a stretch of time, but the, the piece got a lot of attention and, uh, you know, because I went on like the circuit uh, promoting the piece, uh, you know, going on like Jim Rome's radio show or, or whoever, you know, a bunch of the national ESPN shows and, and all that. And, uh, and so uh, I, it freaked me out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> like the, the thing that he loved the most suddenly went up in flames, literally. Um, and uh, I, I, I forget what the resolution was of what caused the fire. But uh, anyway, uh, it, 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 to me, it's almost like a bigger metaphor 
and I, I don't know what Rolando's doing now. I hope he's doing really good. I, I liked him very much. Uh, he he wasn't someone who coveted the spotlight, but he was just uh, he was just gifted, so physically gifted. You know, and and Nick Saban to this day just raves about Rolando McLean and what a good person he is and what a great leader he was and and just uh, as a, just as a as a as a physical person. I mean, he was as impressive as they come, Matt. Yeah. Oh, you know, he ran like a four four forty. He was not as tall, but he's Dante Hightower in many respects. And as can't miss a player, as I said just a minute ago, as uh, Alabama's probably ever had. But, um, you know, yeah, he, I'm he sorry. Had the, yeah, the fire and the fire. Okay, so the fire that destroyed his house uh, was ruled arson and it was destroyed in February of, um, I believe it was February of 2015. So that was a, a, a really, it was less than a month after the story ran. Wow. Now, uh, now, is there a correlation? I I, I don't know. That's something to speculate on, too. I know, but, I know, but I'm just, just saying, like, people, they, but I, I, coals, no, I, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I, 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 that, that's why I refuse to do any interviews on the subject. Well, good for you. I'm not, that's, I don't, I'm just saying. By the way. Presenting facts. Sorry, I, I I was not expecting us to go in this direction. <laughs> no, but I did. I wasn't. I expected it to give it its you know its sixty second read and move on. I had no idea you did that piece. That made this particular story even more enlightening. And I, and I'm appreciate appreciate what you did then and uh, you can, what you're doing as a result. People can check it out on Bleacher Report if you just uh, Google Lars Anderson Bleacher Rolando McLean. It will come up. All right, I did a little work. While we were talking here, Rob Ryan was the name of the Dallas defensive coordinator that had yeah. the long, grayish, whitish locks. So uh, we still have another hour. I just got a text from the mixer, Mick Gillespie. He's going to join us coming up here in the second hour. Uh, we'll get back into the Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, and get back into the SEC football schedules. I don't know why a lot of people are stunned by this, but... Most of it was already in place. It was merely when and, you know, when the off dates were coming in. That's the biggest thing. And Alabama has two off dates. I guess all schools do. So that's interesting, too. So um, long, tough season. But, hey, if you play in the SEC, you were already getting that. Hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars. Back in a second. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. 
WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Wire. Developing story in college basketball as the Mountain West Conference is reportedly in discussions with Oregon State and Washington State to join the league for the 2024-2025 college basketball season. That's according to College Hoops Today. The report would go on to say that there is no timetable on an official announcement, but the Mountain West did recently announce a football scheduling agreement with both of those two schools for next year. This is the last year the Pac-12 will be competing in its current form. NFL news. We got some injury updates. Colts head coach Shane Steichen ruling out Jonathan Taylor for Saturday's game against the Steelers. Isaiah Pacheco not practicing today, according to ESPN. So his status for Sunday at New England is in doubt. But Lions head coach Dan Campbell did say that CJ Gardner Johnson has been medically cleared and his practice window will likely start next week. And the Giants getting tight end Darren Waller back from injured reserve. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Just a little past 1 o'clock, the top of the hour on this sunny Thursday afternoon. It's Matt and Lars and Noah. And Mick Gillespie will join us in just a few minutes. And we'll just talk about baseball, Alabama football, and many other things. Alabama football schedule is out. We talked about that first hour. We can go back into that. Here's one that I just caught uh, a little while ago, Lars, is that um, a guy named Tyler Barron, defensive lineman for Tennessee has put himself in the transfer portal, and Alabama has reached out. This guy was ranked the number 22, and you know they got rankings for everything now. <laughs> he was ranked number 22 in the valued players in the transfer portal. He's, he's got pretty impressive stats, and um, no watched him play Alabama and others this past season and the season before, but always... Uh, I always find it very interesting when guys transfer, and particularly when they transfer within their conference. But, you know, the last guy that transferred to Alabama, it was a Tennessee defensive player. Alabama won a national championship. He wore jersey number 10. You remember a guy named Henry Tawata? Yeah. Wow. He turned out, it turned out really did. well for everyone involved in, uh, in that situation. And, and, man, you just think of it from, like, coach Saban's perspective like you, you, you got to prepare for Michigan uh, he was just uh, flew out to California spent some time with Julian Sain and his family and uh, I don't know if you've seen the pictures but uh, yep. they seem very happy <laughs> everyone seems very happy uh, that kid uh, is 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 uh, right now he he is the future of the program. I, I really think he will have every opportunity to be the next quarterback after Jalen Milrow. Uh, I think he'll have every opportunity opportunity to be the starter in twenty twenty five, and then possibly be the starter for you know two years or or three. Um, but we'll we'll see. That's that's putting a lot out there. But so what I'm trying to get around to is. Nick Saban is still recruiting. He's preparing uh, for Michigan. 
I'm sure he's also, they're also doing advanced scouting on both Texas and Washington because the, you know, the, the time between the semifinal and the final is something like 10 days. I'm not sure. I don't have the calendar in front of me, but, um, so he's out (laughs) and they're also doing, trying to finish up the make sure that everybody and that's what Nick Saban's doing he's just making sure all of his top guys from this recruiting class because the signing day is is coming up here very shortly um he's just making sure all the all the the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed kind of thing but he's also got to deal with transfer portal (laughs) as well i mean it's just uh the the workload for a head coach especially if you are one of the four who are still playing for a national title. It's just, an, it's, it's insane right now. I mean, he needs to be like in four places at once, you know, 14 hours a day. And there's just not enough, uh, not enough time. And so um, this is, I think one of the things that he does so well, and you know this, is, is, is time management. Like it, and, and he can multitask it, at such a high level, whereas, yes. you know, most of us, when we multitask, maybe we're taking care of the, the big priority and maybe yeah. the second one, but everything else falls down. That never happens with Nick Saban. It's, no, you're right. He's and, a master of time management. And, and uh, I forget who he was going to visit. I think it was a, a Doriel um, Green Beckham. I did a long, another piece on, on DGB, and he was telling me about when Nick Saban came to his high school and, and then it's actually, then his, uh, his dad his, or the, his father who adopted him, his high school coach told me that, that when Nick Saban came, everything was done with, it wasn't just military precision. It was like presidential precision. The plane, let the, the jet, the private jet lands at, they know exactly when there's a car right there to get him into the car. They allow a lot like two minutes, right? To get from plane to car. They allot uh, 16 minutes to get from uh, the private airport to the high school. A lot like two minutes to get in from high school to coach's office. <laughs> and then like eight minutes to <laughs> meet with coach. 14 minutes then to meet with coach and player <laughs> then meet with coach meet with player and parents and and then you know then they're out and and again they, but the coach was telling me and Doyle Green Beckham's uh, the adopted father was that he, he 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 the only comparison he could draw was like when Air Force One lands you know, everything is done. Everything is on a, an incredibly tight schedule, minute to minute. And that's the way that uh, that one recruiting visit went. But I suspect that that is, that is the norm, not the outlier. And did he not, on his way back, dot a couple of I's and cross a couple of T's? Uh, he flew into a couple of other places. What my... Uh, I vaguely remember from reading about that, but yeah, here's another transfer portal story that I did not expect. I did not see this one coming. Malik Murphy put himself on the transfer portal yesterday. He's the Texas backup and a darn good one. And now he's not going to be available for the Sugar Bowl. How about that? 
And then Quinn so Ewers who's, does, who's, has who's decided, number two? Does that mean Arch, uh, Arch is? Yeah, arches. But, you know um, what? That doesn't surprise me because I, I I had heard whispers that Arch was even thinking of getting into the transfer portal. So uh, what I'm guessing is that Sarkeesian made it very clear to everybody that the next guy in line after Quinn Ewers is Arch Manning, and he probably had to do that in order to make sure that Arch wasn't leaving. That's just to a guess. Justify the huge NIL NIL money. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They're paying all those quarterbacks a whole lot of money. Yeah, when and, and including can, and including Nebraska. I mean, I, I'm hearing that they are about ready to fork over a king's ransom to get Dylan Rayola to flip from Georgia to go to Nebraska, and uh, it, it's uh, it, it seems to be gaining more momentum that this is going to happen because Kyle McCord, who it looked like it was a done deal going to Nebraska, the Ohio State starting quarterback for uh, the first 12 games of the season. Uh, he left Lincoln uh, without making a commitment and said, hey, my, I'm, still, I'm still open for business. So what, what that tells me is that Dylan Rayola, I think, and it's amazing that the uh, uh, power that these high school kids now wield, it tells me that Rayola wants to start next year and and yeah i'm sure uh you know no promises were were made but i don't think kyle mccord wants to go head to head with dylan rayola and 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 so it tells me that rayola is coming to nebraska and and for an immense amount of his nil is going to be you know uh, as rich as 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 big as any freshman i'm guessing has ever received how do you think uh, Malik Murphy would look in orange and blue? You think Hugh Freeze might drop a dime, try and get in touch with Malik Murphy? Yes. Man, what a pickup that would be. But here's the situation. He is not playing for Texas now. So, obviously, their starting quarterback is Quinn Ewers. Well, Quinn has yet to decide whether or not he's going to go to the NFL. I don't know if you've heard anything one way or the other on that. But if he decides to go to the NFL... Malik Murphy would have been the starter. Not anymore. He's going to start for Auburn. Okay, whatever the case may be. That could potentially, this whole situation could mean that come the end of August in 24, starting quarterback for the Longhorns will be Arch Manning. How about that for some dominoes fall? Yeah, I mean, look, Arch Manning, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Hugh Freeze goes after this kid hard. Me and so, he's, so he's you could, really good. Yeah, he is really good. He is really good. And and Auburn, to me, uh, once they get that quarterback situation figured out, and you know Hugh Freeze will, uh, they're going to be very formidable. And so, uh, yeah, you just think about all the dominoes. This could have gone started with Arch Manning saying, "Hey." If I am not the clear-cut guy, next guy in line, I'm I'm gone. Therefore, that causes the other guy to leave, who then becomes a starting quarterback at Auburn. I know that's a ton of speculation, obviously, but but that's yeah. just the way it is now. It, it's it's almost it, it's 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 musical chairs with the quarterbacks, and and in the transfer portal. I think has benefited the quarterbacks more than anyone else because you look at the guys who've won Heisman trophies recently, or even been finalists, or done really well. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow, um, uh, 
uh, obviously Jalen Hurts was a finalist. Um, just all the guys who have uh, who have transferred. Uh, Penix, he was a transfer. Uh, the winner, Jaden. Jaden was a transfer. Uh, you know, Jaden Daniels. He was started at Arizona State or Arizona. Um, it's it's really it's a it's hard to keep up with frankly yeah and it's hard enough for us to keep up with imagine what Saban and freeze and all the other coaches are doing especially the four coaches that are in the playoffs i mean how did how in the world they do that way above my pay grade hey it's big noon sports it's presented by haley sansing union home mortgage and mick gillespie is coming up Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mostly sunny afternoon, the high today 62, fair tonight with a low at 38. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 61. And for Saturday, the weather will stay dry, but clouds will increase during the day, the high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Interviews here on Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars and Noah are brought to you by Larley Thompson, the Bama broker, and a regular on our show, particularly on Fridays. Mick knows Larley. Anyway, Mick Gillespie is joining us. Mick, did you get all that shopping done? Uh, well, I'm in the process of shopping. I, I, yes, well, it was probably two days ago. Um, we realized we hadn't bought anything for Christmas, so we've been uh, frantically working on it since. You got kids too, right? Yeah, that's that was the concern. I don't know how it <laughs> went my mind, but <laughs> Mick, I, I guess we it have, just Mick, got here have, so fast. Mick, we have way too much in that's common. A- that's awesome. <laughs> no, wait a minute now. I got to brag on you, Lars. You, I've, you hit, I've done a little you hit bit, the ground. Yeah. Well, I thought you hit the ground and did back four hours of shopping someday. Last no, I week, did. So. I did. Yeah. No. I, but uh, just because I was in panic mode. Because <laughs> you never know when you're going to get really busy. So, Well, I just tell you, uh, the older you get and you have children, you just the light in their eyes at Christmas, it just blows me away. And now, y'all do it with your children. I'm doing it with my grandchildren. The other day, I was babysitting with them, and they pulled out these, we used to call them a wish book. Do you remember the, the JCP? Oh, yeah. Books? Yeah. Uh, that, this is true. Uh, 
eight-year-old grandson, Cole, who's just obsessed with sports, you know what he does? He doesn't get out a wish book. He gets online. <laughs> and he oh, scrolls through things and goes, this is what I like, Poppy. This is what I like, Poppy. So, anyway. Uh, oh, no. Lincoln, my eight-year-old, he'll text me exactly what he wants. Uh, like, it's, he wants a golf simulator. Right and uh, a really nice one. I do too. And he's like, he's like, hey, this is what I want from Santa Claus. So I'm thinking, does well, I won't go into what, what, what he knows about that, Santa Claus. I know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. So Santa Claus. The is reason gonna, he sent it to you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a sucker. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> Mick, uh, SEC schedule announced yesterday what do you think of uh alabama's uh alabama's murderers row that they got to go through next year yeah it's a tough schedule um you know i think that if you you like watching good football you're gonna get that but it, it's closer to an nfl schedule than we've ever seen and two years ago i thought it was a very difficult schedule and uh, next year's obviously is. I mean, you got to, you know, you're going to Wisconsin. Didn't have to do that one. But, um, you know, obviously playing at LSU in Tennessee, you know, at Oklahoma. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of a really tough away vir- environment uh, to play in. And it's, um, it, it definitely signals a change in uh, an era of college football. Who do you think, is it possible that anybody had uh, an easier one than anybody else? Yeah, they were all tough. I, I, I was laughing. I saw some story, and it, the, the headline was, you know, talking about Georgia not being able to play a week schedule. This Their schedule, they, they made up for all the week schedules they played <laughs> because their schedule's brutal, too, you know. Um, and, and all of them are. You know, you, you just have a, a lot more balance with the scheduling now uh and and if you're a season ticket holder obviously you're going to get more for your money yeah and man you you look at florida's schedule and you have to wonder if billy napier is going to be around uh by the end of next season because right now he's had two you know pretty disappointing seasons and you look at florida uh, 10 of the 11 fbs teams they're playing are in a bowl game this year they're playing six teams that finished in the college football playoff top 20, and four of those six are away from home. Oh, man. I mean, it's just uh, – it is a brutal schedule for Florida. Yeah, yeah. And and, and they just – I saw where ETN transferred to Georgia or he's talking about transferring to Georgia, their running back. I I, I don't know. Like the expectations there uh, sometimes are unrealistic. You know, when when you have uh, Steve Spurrier or Urban Meyer, you can win there. But everyone else has failed. I mean, you look going back forever. And um, Dan Mullen had success, but it wasn't good enough. They didn't think he recruited, you know. And now Napier's there, and they're just kind of a middle-of-the-road-to-bottom team. And and when you look at a schedule like that, you know, it's going to be tough to turn the corner. What did you think? And and I I give you pause here because I have not gone through all sixteen, but Florida is brutal. I mean, like ten of the twelve teams on their schedule won ten games this year, something like that. It's just it's quite hard to believe that it all fell on them. And I feel bad for Billy Napier because I think, like Lars said, 
that's that's going to be it for him. Uh, did you have a chance to look at Auburn? Uh, I saw a little bit of it. Um, I, it. Just like Alabama, the you know they're they've got to play. What is it, Texas A and M, the week before the Iron Bowl? You know, and that that's pretty funny to me. I I think that um, you know that that these schedules um, are definitely made to try to figure out how to get more out of some of these weeks where there's no there's no game. You know, like and that's all. That's been one of those areas where. You know, in the past, you know, we look at it and we're like, well, you know, um, it, it, you know, Bama's playing, you know, I don't know, Chattanooga or something, you know, and whoever else. And now, now you look at these schedules and that week, some of those really weak weeks, um, you know, are now all of a sudden not so weak anymore, you know, pun intended here, you know. So, I mean, like, uh, playing, uh, against teams like, you know, Texas and Oklahoma mixed in with the schedule where you're just not, you know, like with Georgia, felt like every year, you know, you get South Carolina, Vandy, and, and I know Missouri was good this year, but, uh, and then throw Kentucky in there. I mean, those are four easy games. The West has been so much better. I like it like it is right now where it's balanced. I mean, you look at Auburn's schedule uh, in the middle of the season, they, this is, this is a four game stretch hosting Oklahoma and then three straight road games at Georgia at Missouri at Kentucky that's tough that's <laughs> that is tough I I, I don't rem, I don't recall a team ever playing three straight SEC games on the road Matt do you I don't think it could happen before because yeah. you know I mean it could <laughs> just the really math happen. yeah the I math think, wouldn't allow it. I think it. the yeah. only thing that gives you uh, uh, chances I think and I'm doing this from memory which is not good. I think they may have an off week somewhere with those three on the road which would help a little bit but you know gee they're not what the only ones the, What did you yeah, guys think ahead. of uh, like what Bama having two buys during the season? Yeah, I thought that was uh, strange, but very beneficial um, to Alabama, especially because that first buy uh, comes after the road trip to Wisconsin. And by the way, Mick, have you ever been to Madison, Wisconsin? We talked about this at no. the top of the show. I've I've uh, covered many games there, and it is one of the most hostile environments for a road team. And especially, you know, when you get Alabama coming to a place where they haven't played since uh, Matt looked it up, since like 1926 or 1931 or something, this is going to be an event it's not just a football game this is an event for the people of madison wisconsin and really for the people of the entire state of wisconsin and i'm guessing it will probably be a night game national television incredible atmosphere luke fickle knows that if he can beat alabama like he will be just a god there for the next decade you know and it, it, it is such a monumental opportunity for the entire uh, program in Wisconsin that you know that Alabama is going to get a really good shot there. They're going to get a, uh, they're, or they're going to get the, the Badgers best shot. Uh, Alabama's used to that. I, I understand that. But so, yeah, so they have the bye and then Georgia at home. You're at Wisconsin 
and then you do get a bye week to kind of regroup and then you got Georgia at home and that that's that's tough and then uh and then you also have the bye before the LSU game traveling to LSU but what what are your thoughts about again that that early stretch for Alabama at Wisconsin on September 14th the bye week and then on September 28th Georgia already been announced it's a 6:30 central time kickoff yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, on my YouTube channel, the Bama Tailgate channel, I did a show last night for the unveiling with uh, Ryan Anderson and Jake Coker. They joined me, and we sat around and just watched and talked about it. And all of us were really interested in going to Madison, Wisconsin, to see Bama play because we've heard about what a great college town it is. Uh, I have a cousin that lives in that town, and it, it's just such a unique matchup, you know, and I hope that Bama keeps playing these type of games, you know, because it, I've always wanted to see Alabama play at Notre Dame. You know, it'd be a cool just to go the experience of it. Or, you know, people got to go see Bama play at Penn State um, when Joe Pa was still there, you know. So I love the matchup. You know, as far as um, the team goes, I, you know, Nick Saban has had these guys up and and ready to play. This, this past season – it took a little longer to kind of have this team ready because they lost so much and they had new coordinators, you know, and all of that. So I'm hoping that there's a lot more stability to start the season, but I think Alabama's going to do all right. What are they? They were nine and one against Georgia with Nick Saban. Uh, you know, that's going to be a physical football game. You know, they'll go up to Wisconsin and, and, and they'll play good up there. You know that, uh, I, I, I wonder you know, the LSU game on the road, the Tennessee game on the road, I mean, they're going to lose some games. I mean, these schedules aren't made for you to go undefeated anymore. No. Uh, you know, so you're going to trip up at some point, but I think it's going to be it's going to be the new normal. Do you think um, that we are going to see less of these really fascinating uh, cross-conference games like Alabama, Wisconsin, because now the SEC schedule is so brutal. I mean, why not just play kind of, you know, uh, three cupcakes and then you get into the SEC schedule? Yeah, that's the and and look, it almost cost Alabama this year. Uh, you know, yeah. if they don't beat Georgia, you know, and and they barely got in. I feel like. Um, you know, Florida State played a schedule that their attorney general ought to investigate for being so weak. Um, <laughs> and, and and Alabama plays one of the toughest schedules, and then they add Texas in, which wasn't in the SEC last year, and and it, it almost worked against them. So, well, I, I I could definitely see teams shying away from these out of conference matchups, uh, even though you have more room for a loss or two to get into the playoff. I just hope they, just as a fan, I hope they don't, but I could definitely see them doing that. Hey, uh, we usually keep you a couple of segments. Do you have another 10 minutes for us, Mick? Sure, sure. Yeah, I, we, obviously. You and I got to touch on baseball. Of course, the Lars tuned in, too. <laughs> Man, he was yeah. talking Yankees with me last night. And, I mean, the guy used to sit behind home plate back in those great teams of the 90s so Lars can hold his own in baseball he downplays it but, uh, anyway uh, and I gotta ask you about your partners I want to know what Ryan and Jake are doing so that's all coming up on Big Noon Sports
It's time to ring in the new year right. Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulldogs, claiming the SEC title. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. With our guest, Mick Gillespie. Mick, got to ask a really big transfer portal question, but first tell everybody, you mentioned your YouTube channel. Tell everybody what they can get a hold of Mick. Yeah, check it out. Uh, Bama Tailgate on YouTube. Do uh, shows every day. Yes, sometimes like pop up live shows uh, where you know you get on. And, like, we just watch the schedule being announced, and and uh, you know during game days we do the tailgate show, and then the post game show we're on live and just try to cover the tide. We'll be watching uh, signing day next week. So Bama Tailgate on YouTube. Malik Murphy has uh, put his name in the transfer portal from Texas. That surprised me a little bit. Quinn Ewers has yet to say whether he's going to go to the NFL. I'm wondering now if he's going to stay, and that's why Malik decided to transfer. And then there's Arch Manning that's hanging around here, and believe it or not, this could happen. I certainly hope nothing happens to Ewers, but he has shown uh, that he can get injured. And suddenly Arch Manning could be playing for the national championship. What do you make of all this? And why do you think Murphy's leaving? Well, he wants to play, and they didn't pay, you know, Arch Manning $15 million or whatever he makes up there to uh, sit on the bench. And he'll go somewhere else. I mean, I'm sure Peyton would love to see him go to Tennessee. He's going to need a quarterback. Uh, I know they got Nico, but that, that job's open, you know, if, if, if Arch Manning wanted it. Um, and I'm sure there's some other spots, too. I mean, he was high on Bama. I think he's going to come there with Julian Sane, uh ready to sign uh, next week. But I, the, the problem isn't that the kids want to transfer because it, it is what it is now. 
The problem is, is that the way they do it. I mean, why in the, why would in the world would we have this right now when there's still games going on? You know, shouldn't we push this back to when nothing's going on after the national championship, like the next day or something? Uh, and then the the national signing day for high school kids is they they've messed that all up. It you know it used to be in February, and then they made it to where it's early now during the season. You know, Bama's trying to get ready for. Uh, playoff game, and then you got Nick Saban flying all over the country because he's got to do that to recruit. So the the NCAA is to me uh, at full fault because they have built this system that, like a lot of the things they do, makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. Um, and you mentioned Julian saying, and, and we talked about this earlier too, Nick Saban has to be in 12 places at the same time right now. You know, it's just uh, impossible for him, especially, you know, it's especially hard on the four head coaches who are in uh, vine for the national championship. But you mentioned Julian saying Nick Saban was just out in California visiting with him. What do you think the quarterback room is going to look like next year, which is a roundabout way of asking you, uh, who do you think is going to transfer out? Well, uh, look, uh, Buckner's already transferring back to Notre Dame to play lacrosse, which uh, which I respect that. I played on the club team at Alabama that even scored a goal against Georgia Southern. So that's a proud moment in my life. Uh, so good for him. And Notre Dame's actually pretty good at, at lacrosse, so... But he wasn't. He, he's not good enough. So to play quarterback, so let him go do that. Um, I think Ty Simpson might want to think about transferring. I, I would probably say Lauderdon against uh, against Dan, and with Milrose sticking around one more year, you know. And I, I heard uh, him on the next round today talking about uh, next year being a senior season, which really technically it's really his junior season. But if he's taking that as a senior season. Then that means one more year for him, and then you know, obviously, one of those other guys. Hey, I mentioned this going into the break. Uh, you, your partners on your YouTube shows, Ryan Anderson and Jake Coker. What are they up to these days? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, Jake and I do a podcast together twice a week uh, for Disrupt the Media called Elephant in the Room. That's on Roll Tide Pods on YouTube, and it's been so much fun hanging out with him. He's doing insurance down here on the coast, um, travels a lot. You know, he's involved in a lot of the different Alabama clubs, like the Red Elephant Club. And then and then Ryan just wrapped up his NFL career, and he's a contractor now. So it's, it's hard to get Ryan on as much as we want him to come on and join us just because he's got so many projects as far as building and, and, and doing that stuff. But um, when we all three get together, it's – it really is a great time, and it's been fun hanging out with those guys and, and hearing the stories about what it was like to play at Alabama and their teammates. And, um, and you know, and like Ryan said last night, he's all in on being a fan now. You know, so, <laughs> so we, we, we talk about it. And, you know, sometimes you forget that those guys, you know, once played, you know, because they're such super fans to the program. And I think that also tells you a lot about how cool it is to, to go to Alabama, whether you're a student athlete or a student or if you just love the university. Mick, uh, one of my students is listening now, and he just texted me and wanted me to ask you 
what makes a good podcast? What makes a podcast work? Because, uh, you know, every young person seems like who wants to go into sports media, they realize that uh, a, a great way to get into it is to have a podcast. But how do you make it work? How do you grow it? How do you make it so you're actually making money off of it? Well, and I'll, and I'll tell you the answer. People, I, I had people telling me for a long time I needed to do my own podcasting, and, and I was a little reluctant to do it because it's tough. You know, you start channels. I, I've got the, the Bama Tailgate channel, and I've also got the uh, Cubs baseball channel, right? And those are teams that I've covered, you know, Bama, since I went to school there and graduated. You know, I got this. I got this. My first game was the 96 Iron Bowl. You know, so I've covered them, student media, and then Crimson Tide Sports Network, SEC, you know, uh, different radio stations, um, you know, on three rivals. I've been around it a long time, right? So there's a there's a lot of history there. And then the Cubs, you know, I started working with the Cubs in 2007. So, I mean, and still involved. But I didn't know the answer to that. I just started one day uh, both of these channels within the last six months, and they're both monetizing. I think it's persistence and consistency. You also want to make videos. They're different type videos. Um, some of them are short, you know, 10-minute videos, and those are, those are going to get different viewers than, like, last night's show that I did with Ryan and, and, and Jake, which was, you know, a live show that went an hour. We're going to have another show that'll be on, um, uh, Elephant in the Room. We'll drop that today on Roll Tide Pods. That's another hour. So it's, it's just, they're just different content. And when I worked with, um, with, with the guys at Bama Insider, they did a great job of covering press conferences and, and, and getting different things out that, you know, that were more like short videos. But I'd say the biggest thing is, being persistent and being consistent, you know, be persistently putting out content and be consistent about doing, it, you know, and, and, and have something to say. Uh, but I, I don't know, like one channel is closing in on 3000. The other one has 25,000 subscribers. And I'm, I, I always honestly feel lucky. <laughs> I don't even know how it's happening. So I'm probably not the best person to answer that, but I think that if you, if you, if you, you, take advantage of the uh of the market and talk about the things that people want to talk about then then you'll get viewers and i will add to that and you might have mentioned this but support your podcast through every flipping social media platform you can and if you're not on instagram get on instagram if you're not on facebook get on facebook i um that's that's what you got it. Hey, it's work, man. It is work. The fun part's doing the show. <laughs> Rest yeah. setting it up, doing all that, you know. Hey, man, it's flown by again. Thank you, Mick. If we don't talk next week, get your Christmas shopping done, first of all. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll do it. All right. Have a Merry Christmas, guys. Roll Tide. Thank you, Mick, and thank you for the advice. Uh, my student just texted me. He, he appreciates that, so I appreciate yeah, it, Yeah, no problem. A anytime, Lars, and tell them they can contact me personally if they need anything else. Will do. Appreciate what that. Guy. Thank you. Last night, between 8 and 9, I put a big Do Not Disturb sign around my neck, and I'll tell you why when we get back. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage.
securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mostly sunny afternoon, the high today 62, fair tonight with a low at 38. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 61. And for Saturday, the weather will stay dry, but clouds will increase during the day, the high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Matt Lars, man, this show has absolutely flown by. Wanted to uh, talk briefly, and I'm going to work on getting one of the producers of this show, this documentary on, uh, perhaps as early as tomorrow. But between, I guess it debuted at 8 o'clock last night on the SEC Network, and it was a documentary, hour-long, Bart Starr, America's quarterback. Just so well done, and it just gave you another inside look into just a remarkable man, not quarterback, a remarkable man, uh, husband, father. Um, You know, he is one of those few people, Lars. He and Pat Sullivan, one of the few people I've ever met, been around, that never heard anybody say a bad thing about him. I mean, never. Not just, oh, you didn't park in that slot well. No, they were just wonderful human beings. I don't know if yeah. you had a chance to see it or not. I I, I saw just uh, a, a few snippets here and there, and then the the final minutes of it when uh, the uh, the tragic uh, passing of of his son is recounted, and um, and you know he had to deal with uh, a, a lot of uh, tragedy in his life. Frankly, uh, losing a brother. And then uh, the worst nightmare of everybody is losing a, a, a child, and 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 Bart actually found his son who um, who died of a, a drug overdose in, in in Tampa, and they had been kind of been fighting the demons for a while. But um, what really impressed me, I mean, there's just so much. He's one of the most impressive people I've ever met. And we talked about yesterday that you know we we both had interactions with with uh, Bart. And as you mentioned, he insisted that you call him Bart, not Mr. Star. But the fact that, uh, you know, when you lose a child, you, you, you see this, like, you see that how it, it, it rips a, a couple apart. But it really, the, the strength of the marriage between Bart and his wife was so powerful that it really brought them closer together. And, and Bart would always write her notes like hundreds yeah. and hundreds of notes 
And and when she uh, got home from Bart's funeral, uh, Mrs. Starr you know, opened up a drawer and there were three notes from him. And, uh, and the last one said, you know, just thank you for being such a wonderful wife and partner. You know, and it's just a, it. In a lot of ways, it was uh, at least the parts I saw. It was a it was a love story, and it was really yeah. well done. Cherry is his wife, um, and she was just as remarkable. And they bring a lot of that out in the documentary. I don't know how you do these things, but I imagine if those of you that are familiar with the different platforms you can go to, I imagine it's on the SEC network or in in some file. They'll air it again. But I really urge you to watch, even if you knew a lot about Bart, like Lars and I did. Noticed I called him Bart. Uh, you'll uh, you'll learn more, and then you'll also remember. Oh yeah, that's right. He did that. So, and you know, and, you you hear people say at funerals, like, "Well, nobody ever said a bad word about this person." I truly don't think anyone ever said a bad word about Bart Starr. Um. Maybe once when he was the coach. Yeah. Because uh, he was <laughs> yeah, not, you know, he, 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 he didn't. admitted he was not very successful as a coach. No, he, he wasn't. Said, I just couldn't get players. Um, but he was also general manager. Um, but It's, not, it's anyway. not the jockey, it's the horses, as we know. As yeah, Nick Saban always says. You are so right. Hey, <laughs> Lars, I want to make sure that everybody is aware of what's happening a week from Saturday in Birmingham, Alabama. I don't think I've missed one of these games, maybe a couple, but the Birmingham Bowl, the Ticketmaster Birmingham Bowl is featuring the Trojans of Troy and the Blue Devils of Duke. It's Southern Hospitality and Serious Football. You can go to their website. Just type in Birmingham Bowl, uh, and it'll take you to the ticket sites, too. So you can get your tickets, uh, as you heard just a minute ago. Uh, low is $30. Um, that's a good way to spend a Saturday morning instead of going out shopping. You know, the day before the day before, Christmas Eve, Eve. So I would urge you to go to the Birmingham Bowl. Lars, um, I I think if you want to grab the kiddos, we'll go. How about that? Let's, let's do it. Uh, I always could use a little, a little help. Um, tonight, you know what I'll be doing? It is a uh, huge night in Volleyball Anderson's life. The number one seeded women's... Nebraska volleyball team is in the final four facing Pitt, the number four seed down in Tampa at Amale Arena. And uh, that place is going to be covered in red. Uh, I'm telling you, just give it a shot. Give it a shot. It's on ESPN, six o'clock, six o'clock central, six o'clock our time. Just give it a shot. There's nothing else on that you want to watch other than just watch this Husker Husker volleyball women's team because they are going to win the national championship. And this is the team that set the record earlier this year. Over 100,000 people filed into Memorial Stadium in Lincoln and watched the Husker women's volleyball team play another women's volleyball team. And it uh, is the most highly attended women's female sporting event in American history. And uh, I think this team is going to continue to make history and win tonight. All right. So that's my bit on Nebraska women's volleyball. Check it out tonight. And then 
uh, and on Sunday, uh, I bet Nebraska will end up playing uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's playing Texas in the other semifinal. Uh, championship matches on Sunday at two on ABC. So um, it's pretty exciting. I'm telling they get you, get the big give, national TV deal on Sunday. The, yeah, yeah, Good. two o'clock on Sunday. Yeah. ABC. And you will be diligently tuned in tonight. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Cool. As will every Husker person in the world. I think we know at least 91,000. Or was it, was it over 100? It was 100, yeah. It was just over yeah. 100. It was a tick over 100. That's just, that's remarkable on so many levels. All right. Uh, Lars, as we wrap up, you got any final thoughts here? Yeah, just um, I, I'm still struck by these schedules, by these SEC schedules. It's like yeah. it's one thing to kind of have a an outline in your mind of, of what it will be. But then when you actually see them on paper and you realize how freaking difficult they are, especially uh, Florida, uh, you have Auburn having those three straight road trips on, on the SEC, and that comes after you're hosting Oklahoma. And then with Alabama, I do think Alabama caught a break by getting the, the two buys. That is That will help. But uh, on the road at Wisconsin, and then you have a buy, and then you got the Georgia, who's won the last two national championships, uh, coming to Bryant-Denny. Uh, just... Uh, Mick Gillespie put it best. It's an NFL schedule. Every team in the SEC is now playing an NFL schedule. And with a couple of exceptions, uh, pretty much every team in the SEC, especially if they're playing at home, is capable of a win. (laughs) Uh, So, Hey, Lars, here's what I really need. You know those really cool printout schedules that you can laminate and it's got all the teams listed along the left and then the the week's go out to the right. You know what I'm talking about? Has the colorful helmets and all that kind of stuff. I need one of those to truly gather the schedules. That's just the one I can read. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think you may have given me one. I've got a really good laminated one right here in front of me. Um, That's the way. Of course, it's going to be a little bit uh, longer now since two teams are being added, but we'll see. As uh, we get ready for the 2024 season, uh, we still got a lot of the 23 slash early 24 schedule going on as well. We uh, we got to get out of here. I will remind you once again of the Elvis Presley Christmas concert, the party. It's going to be held tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Druid City Music Hall. Go to druidcitymusichall.com and pick up your tickets. You can get them at the door, but you'd probably be smarter to go ahead and get them online. That's the Elvis Presley Christmas party tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at Druid City Music Hall. Lars, we got to get out of here. Have a great day. Have a good one, everybody. It's time to 